I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike, episode 40 today. Uh, thanks for bearing with me through that last segment. Uh, I I have a, a new child, and I view these things kind of differently. I, I told the story of a, an accident that I witnessed. In fact, I filled out a witness report and everything uh, this morning, and uh, I was first on the scene, if you will. I was able to, to luckily uh, render a little bit of aid to some folks who got away with... Uh, uh, how else to phrase it? Some stupidity this morning. The accident was caused by someone on their cell phone. Uh, at that same intersection where I witnessed this accident, uh, I just yesterday afternoon was crossing that street wearing one of those uh, baby carrier things with my little child strapped to my chest. If what I witnessed this morning had happened yesterday afternoon, you and I might be night might not be chatting here today, and uh, little Piper uh, might not be smiling and giggling with your mom. Uh, over at our house right now. This is a pretty serious deal. My invitation again, put your phone down. All right, that's it. I'm done lecturing. New Hampshire. You're aware of New Hampshire, right? Uh, they are the first in the nation uh, primary. Last week was Iowa. They had their caucus out there. Uh, and how'd that work out? Mayor Pete won that one, right? I think uh, finally, uh, it's been, what, 16 years later now we've got the results. Uh, and Iowa says that Mayor Pete came ahead on that. Uh, and that makes sense. He, I know, had devoted incredible resources and time more than anything to his campaign. And Iowa had spent about a year working there. Uh, but it was Biden right behind. And, you know, this, this, uh, you know what? Uh, I mentioned that, uh, I mentioned that accident that i witnessed uh this morning the uh i can't answer the phone obviously right now but i am getting a phone call from the insurer uh, of one of the people involved i'll have to call them back uh anyway in new hampshire um they do things uh, a little bit differently uh hopefully they'll do them successfully as opposed to iowa Uh, but in new hampshire uh they different than the way we do things here in utah when it comes to be primary day they have an open primary what does that mean? When they are electing those uh, who will go on the ballot for president, uh, they allow for members, obviously, of the Republican Party to vote in the Republican primary. Oh, don't forget that that's happening tonight or I'm sorry, tomorrow night as well in New Hampshire. Folks will go out and vote for who they would like to see on the Republican side uh, of things. President Trump in the caucuses of Iowa came away, I think, with 96 or 97 percent support. Um, anyway, we'll see how that goes tomorrow night. That one might be a foregone conclusion. The big question mark is on the Democrat side. Now, if you are a Democrat, you can obviously vote uh, in the Democrat primary uh, election, which is tomorrow in New Hampshire. Now, if you are a Republican, you cannot. But 
But, and this is one of the things that sets New Hampshire apart, uh, aside from it being the first primary and one of the first uh, for voters to get out and express themselves. Tomorrow, if you are unaffiliated with a party, you can vote uh, in the Democrat primary or the Republican primary. You can also uh, just decide to remove your party affiliation uh, day of and cast your vote. So that changes things up, and that, uh, especially for folks like Senator uh, Warren, uh, that factors into their strategy as they plan for uh, you know their campaigns on the ground in the state of New Hampshire. Um, <clears throat> oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Texter just helped me out. I said Biden uh, was right behind uh, Mayor Pete. That's not correct, of course. It was Bernie Sanders. Uh, and in fact, he's claiming victory, uh, Senator Sanders is, uh, when he makes it known that he received more of the popular vote. And that's the one of the new things in Iowa. Sorry to get all these uh, stories kind of overlapping one another, but it was it was Bernie Sanders who came in just behind Mayor Pete uh, Buttigieg in the Iowa caucuses. Bernie Sanders, though, claiming victory in the category of popular voting. Iowa releasing uh, three uh, silos of data. The first round, the second round, and then ultimately the uh, delegate equivalents. So interesting stuff in Iowa. Unfortunately, it came pretty late. Uh, it was gobbled up by other items in the news. Of course, there was the impeachment vote, uh, the State of the Union address, and now we've had a weekend. So we are well far removed from that. And that's why places like Iowa and New Hampshire are valuable. Let me uh, first share with you some of the comments uh, from the candidates who are working on the ground in New Hampshire. And then if I have some time, I want to talk to you a little bit about why it is is that places like New Hampshire and Iowa get the attention that they do. Uh, Very simply, they're uh, small places. They are not necessarily demographically reflective of the nation at large. And yet, you and I right now are talking about this little state on the East Coast uh, as they voice their preferences for these Democrat candidates. So let's kind of walk through what some of these candidates are saying right now in New Hampshire, and then you and I will talk again about the relevance of of New Hampshire. What happens here in New Hampshire is enormously important. The whole country is not only looking at New Hampshire. In fact, the whole world is looking at New Hampshire. Uh, Former Vice President Joe Biden spoke to a group of reporters uh, in a pretty long uh, conversation, a lot of back and forth, uh, question and answer. And he talked about uh, his relationship and the work done when he worked with former President Obama. Everything he said up until now is that we inherited this problem. It was predictable. We're in real trouble. This all came from the recent past. And I'm very proud of the work I did with Barack. We're just getting going. You got to get 1,900 delegates or more. And uh, this is just getting started. And I've said that from the very, very beginning. Ahead of this primary, uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg today said that it will take discipline on the debate stage to get President Trump out of office. Uh, He's that former mayor, of course, of South Bend, Indiana. And he this morning had this to say in Plymouth, New Hampshire. You ever seen those Chinese finger traps where the harder you pull, the more you get stuck in them? He's kind of like that, but with our attention. He has this knack for commanding our attention through outrage. He said voters need to stay engaged following the impeachment trial. Uh, Here he is again, uh, former Mayor Pete Buttigieg speaking again in Plymouth, New Hampshire. I know that that creates a sense of exhaustion that may tempt some of us to turn it off and walk away altogether, which is, of course, exactly how the cynics would win, exactly what we cannot allow to happen. ABC's Aaron Katursky is there in New Hampshire and filed this report this morning. Yeah. 
Team Buttigieg sold merchandise. We're going to be out on Tuesday in the cold, so I needed to get some Pete swag to put on. And organized door knocks. Giving the, the, the Pete excitement. Elizabeth uh, Warren went door to door with her dog. That was a prof. You know, he's working to be first dog. What can I say? The closing moments of the New Hampshire campaign brought candidates to every corner of a state with an outsized role in determining whether the Democratic field will be untangled. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, Manchester. So that's a look at what the candidates are saying. That's a look at what's happening in New Hampshire right now. Um, I want to uh, play. Oh, I got one one last thing to say. Uh, Mayor Buttigieg said that he's not Obama. Interesting comment. I'll play this one for you. And then I'm going to ran rave about why New Hampshire may or may not. Emphasis on the may not be relevant. Here it is. Buttigieg now surging with momentum from Iowa, fighting back Biden's charges. He's trying to brand himself as the next Obama. I'm not Barack Obama, and neither is he. Neither is anyone running for president right now. And this isn't 2008. It's 2020. Senator Elizabeth Warren finishing a distant third in Iowa, dropping in the polls, now aiming to break from the middle of the pack. All right. New Hampshire gets our attention today because they're first. That is the only reason. Don't be confused and think that they have some special position uh, or have some special authority or the delegates there are super important. It is truly and only because they are first. Now, there has been for a number of years a debate as to whether or not that first position is relevant, if we should take our cues from it. Since we haven't been able to answer that question, we all gather together and focus like a laser on what happens in New Hampshire and Iowa. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to stop talking about Iowa. They, they screwed up. Uh, they have made themselves irrelevant. It is now New Hampshire where the a state party will have the ability to manage an election of sorts and present to us the first pure uh, reflection and their first pure view of what the voters actually think. Polls are great. Uh, you know, that, that's fine. They have often, though, been proven wrong. Uh, votes cast by voters in a pure, <laughs> when things are done right, that is a, a pure look at what's going on and what is the will of the electorate. And that's a very important thing, uh, <laughs> needless to say, when you're living in a democracy, uh, that the vote would be an important factor. So we've got New Hampshire tomorrow, and then we're going to take a break until the 22nd of February. That's Nevada. They've got caucuses. We're going to see how Nevada shapes up because Nevada is pretty much positioned to do exactly the same thing Iowa did in Nevada. They, you, they've made it known, the party chair there, the Democrat party chair in Nevada has made it known that he will not be, they will not be using the, the, the same app used in Iowa. Uh, and Nevada only has a, a Democrat caucus on the 22nd. But then uh, just after South Carolina on the 29th, we leap to March 3rd. That is when you really, really get a sense of what voters want, uh, in particular on the Democrat side right now. That is Super Tuesday. Big, long list of states and territories uh, voicing what they would like to see as the Democrat candidate. There's a, American Samoa has a caucus that night. Everyone else is a primary, including Utah. Uh, and for the most part, it's both Democrats and Republicans. You can probably guess how the Republican one's going to go. The great question marks are in the uh, Democrat columns. Listen, next up, we're going to speak to Senator Deidre Henderson, a good friend of mine. She's got a bill dealing with polygamy and lessening the extremity or the extreme nature of some of the crimes committed uh, in polygamy. So that's coming up next on the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike, and you're listening to KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley. 
investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.